Praise and Worship is a community of people in Branson, Missouri, who are gathering, growing, being encouraged, and sharing with others the love and hope of Jesus. Learn more online at branson.church. As we take a couple of minutes to ponder the words, the images, and the music that we've been sharing this morning, I ask you to join me in a word of prayer to prepare our hearts and our minds for his word to us today. Please pray with me. Father, I thank you for all that you do on this day. This day we call Easter. This day we call Resurrection Sunday. This day which is the day that you have made. And we rejoice and we are glad in it. And I pray right now that you would open our hearts and our minds to your leading and to your working. Lead us by your spirit. Fill us with your spirit in such a way that those of us who struggle to believe would be given full assurance of our faith. Those of us who may may used to be very assured but lately have been frustrated and, 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 and having a difficult time that we would be brought back into this place of assurance. And for those of us who question and doubt and have all kinds of questions, I pray that you would guide us to answers. And I pray that no matter where we stand, that you would let your word go out and accomplish the purpose for which you have sent it. That no powers or principalities would be able to pluck anyone from your hands, as we know you've promised they cannot. But that instead we would be free to navigate in the open fields of your grace, which we ask you to pour out in bountiful measure on this day and through this unique gathering, as we ask you for that grace, for your mercy, and for your perfect peace. Amen. Amen. He is risen. We're going to hear that a lot this morning. We've been hearing it a lot, and we're going to keep saying it. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why, why do we keep saying it? Um, it's because every time I go to a funeral and I look, at, uh, I look at a dead body in a box, I look at the tears that stream down the cheeks of all the people around, gathered around that box, or when I'm called to be the guy who has something to say when the box is lowered into the dirt. That's why we say it. He's risen. He's risen indeed. Just as he said, hallelujah. Ha resucitado. Hallelujah. If Christ is not raised, then we're dead. And that all of this no matter what it is, whether it's me yapping at you through a camera or you watching a, a, a show on Netflix or hoping you'll someday get a job back or hoping that you got enough money in the bank to buy more toilet paper when somehow it miraculously appears in the store again, blah, 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 all of that stuff, it has no meaning. If Christ is not risen, then all we have is whatever meager pleasure we can etch out of the day. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. The fact that Jesus has risen from the dead sets you and me free. It means we have hope that though we die, yet shall we live. These are his promises to you and to me. And not just a life of, of, of ethereal wonder, but a life of, as we said before, physical power. Spiritual but physical. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. On the day that Jesus rose from the dead, in Mark's gospel, as we'll see in a moment, 
there were some, some some key points. And in the other three Gospels, he goes out of his way to make sure they know that he is a physical being. He's not a ghost. And they grab a hold of him and they hold on tight. And they he the, he, he asks them for fish so that you know for something to eat for breakfast. They give him fish and he eats it so that they so that he knows so that like they can watch him eat it. It doesn't like fall through him when he chews it up and swallows it down his gullet. Jesus is risen, and he's risen bodily. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And throughout all the epistles of the Apostle Paul, we learn by the power of the Holy Spirit that as he rose, so shall you. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. That's right. Someday they're going to bury you in that dirt that I mentioned. They're going to lower your box into the dirt. And, and some of you are already thinking about, wait, I'm going to get, I'm going to get cremated because I can't afford all that other stuff or that all that other stuff. I don't even want to participate in it. Whatever. No matter how you're buried or you're cremated or you're thrown out to sea or the ashes are scattered or whatever. Just as Jesus rose from the dead, so shall you. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bodily. And this promise leads us into some powerful implications, some beautiful realities that we can have now, even though we are still in the world which has pestilence and disease and brokenness and death. Yes, it's all around us. True. It's beneath our feet as well. But the difference is, is we have hope. We have hope that is not based in some wild cockamamie story, but the story that is true, the one true story by which all other stories come. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And I want to dive right into that story and show you why we know this to be true, how we demonstrate this, and what it means for you and for me. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Take a look. At Mark chapter 16, verse 6, they've met this angel. We don't know if he's an angel, but Mark says that he's a young man dressed in a white robe. We used to joke that that's a seminary student because if you ever went to chapel, there'd always be young men set up, set up front dressed in a white robe, and you couldn't have anything else on there because you were just a seminary student. You, were a, you didn't know anything yet, and, and so you were not allowed to have any of the fancy decorations that other guys could get. So we would joke that was a seminary student, but this time, no. This was a heavenly being of some sorts, a messenger, which in the Greek word for messenger is angel. He says, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Now, speaking of seminary, one of the, one of the passages we had to study very, very much was this passage. And the reason is for that word crucified. In our language, it just looks like that's what happened to him. But in the original language in Greek, that is a perfect participle. And it's a perfect passive participle. It's something happened to him, but it is something that is a state that he is now in. He is the crucified one. And guys, this is so important. Friday night, we got to share it. Jesus took all of it, all of your guilt, all of your shame, all of your sin upon himself. And he gave you all of his innocence and all of his glory and all of his righteousness. He is the crucified one. He continues to be. On the day of his resurrection, in the other three Gospels, we see that the disciples 
In fact, Thomas in particular said, if I don't get to put my hand in the nail scars and thrust my hand into his side, I won't believe it. And Jesus shows up a little later and says, knock yourself out, bro. That's a slight paraphrase, but that's, he says, do it. Stick your hand in there, bro. Come at me, right? And Thomas does. And you know what happens to Thomas? He falls on his knees and he says, my Lord and my God. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Because we're not called to believe in this story of a, of a friendly teacher. That's what so many people call Jesus. He was a good teacher. No, <laughs> no, he wasn't. His good teaching said, come after me, follow me, and I will give you life. I will give you water that springs up into eternal life. If you come with me, you will never die. I've never heard a teacher teach anything like that. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Every Sunday is Easter. You know, we've been t talking about how when we get back together, whenever that is, and we pray it soon, that we are going to have Easter. And, and, and somebody's like, well, how can you have Easter again? Well, because Easter is every Sunday. Every Sunday he is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And that means that no matter what happens, we have hope. Take a look at Mark chapter 16, verse 7. This is how it works. Now, this passage, I'm going to read it in, in reverse. Look at the, bat, the bottom of it. He says, just as he told you. See, this is the first step. He tells us, right? He says, he says, they're going to put the Son of Man to death, and he on the third day will rise again. So Jesus told his disciples this would happen, and this is how it works. Listen to him, just as he told you. There, he's going into Galilee, there you will see him. So we listen, then we see, and then, Go and tell his disciples. Go and tell people. Tell the people what you have seen. He is risen. He, he is, is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Take a look at verse 8. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. It's passages like this the reason why I believe the scriptures to be totally true. There's all kinds of evidence, and we can study the historical evidence, and if you ever want to do that, get with me. We'll have a cup of coffee. I'll bring out a stack of books this high, and I'll, I'll, I'll walk you through some of the really powerful evidence that we have. But in the end, it comes down to, do we believe someone what they say? He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. However we go about discovering information, it involves learning from others. Each of us learned our language from the people we grew up with. Each of us learned what is most important in our lives from the people that we grow up with and that we spend our time with. Those of us who, are, who have done lots of education, we've sat at the feet of many teachers and we've learned and grown. We've read many books. The reason why I believe this story is because this book never holds back. Most of the people who state, say to me the Bible's not true, I ask them which parts of it and immediately we're in trouble because they haven't read it. That's why they don't believe it. If you read the scriptures, yes, there are some great questions that are brought up. Yes, there are some confounding mysteries that are brought up. But then we have a passage like this one. They went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. And you know... 
In your Bible, if you look up to Mark chapter 16, you'll see an asterisk or a big dash there because it'll say, hey, the earliest copies of Mark didn't have the passages that came after that. Those passages that came after that, those are scripture, but they were added by the, the, the apostles a little bit later. Mark ends the story right here because Mark, carried by the Holy Spirit, stops it right here and he says to you and to me, they ran away because they were scared. And he just leaves you sit there hanging. And it's masterpiece storytelling. That's why I believe the story is true. Because it has real people in it. Doing what real people would do. Doing what I would do. If I went to a tomb. First of all, we already talked about what it's like going to a place of death. Not exactly happy thoughts going on. Not to mention these women. They had put all their trust in this fella. All their hopes were in this fella who... They saw him do miracles. Why wouldn't he come down off the cross? Why wouldn't he invoke his power at that time? Why did he lay down when those people were mocking him and jeering him and killing him? So they're on their way to the tomb. They don't even know how they're going to roll the stone away. How are they going to even... They, they're just walking there. It's like they're in a stupor. They're like, what are we going to do? We bought the spices, but... <laughs> they hadn't thought that far through because they were just distraught. And if you've ever had to sit there and plan a funeral, I've been with people who, who do this, and oftentimes they'll call me because they're like, I don't know what to do. My, my heart is broken. My brain is fried. How am I supposed to do this at this time? That's exactly what these women were feeling. As they're on the way to the tomb. Plus more, because this wasn't just a, lo- a loved one. This was the hope of the world, they thought. And now they were feeling like, did he, did he lie to us? Did we not understand? Did we miss something? They hadn't even thought about how they were going to open the tomb. And they get there, and it's open. And it's this massively large stone that would take several men and maybe, maybe using lots of tools to, to open it up. And here they are. And there is a dude in there wearing a white robe saying, ah, no, no problem. He's risen just like he told you he would. You're, you're not going to sit there and start singing, Jesus Christ is risen. No, you're not going to do that. You're going to run away. You're not going to have a church service. You're going to run away and you're going to hide because you're freaking out. And that's exactly, and the, if you study the Greek language behind the phrases, um, they had trembling and astonishment had seized them. I mean, the, the, the language there is, is kind of, they were freaking out. It's the kind of stuff where you, it's like a fight or flight response. They're like scrambling out of the tomb and they probably leave the spices there and they're just running down the path. End of the story. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with Jesus? You and I are facing the same challenge. Maybe not all of those immediate emotions. Maybe we don't have that experience of seeing the dude in the white robe, but we have that same problem every single day. Tomorrow, some of us are working from home. Some of us are going back to work. Some of us are laid off. Some of us are on furlough. Some of us are watching our retirement accounts and wondering, are we going to have enough money to make it to the end of the month, let alone end of retirement? And we have all those things going on, and now Mark's yapping to us about a dude who's supposedly risen from the dead. You see, we, we have the same challenge. Are we going to believe just as he told us? Because we're, we're not at the tomb. We can't see it. Take a look at Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Where does faith come from? 
Faith comes from seeing for yourself and looking at photographic evidence and having video clips. <laughs> that isn't what it says. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing comes through the word of Christ. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Listen to the word of God. Listen to Jesus. Listen to what he is saying to you right here and right now. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Faith does not come by our effort. We learn in Ephesians chapter 2 that faith is a gift of God. We know this in other places too. Jesus said, you did not choose me. I chose you. It's, it's him coming to us, helping us, giving us what we need when we need it. It's him telling stories to his disciples, and, and then those disciples tell stories to other people, and those disciples tell stories to other people, and those disciples tell stories to other people. True story. The true story. And when you hear the story, God's word goes into your heart and gives you faith. Faith comes through hearing. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing comes through the word of Christ. Now, what about, you might be sitting there going, well, what about Mark, if you're deaf? Can you, what happens if your ears don't work? Oh, that's a good question. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Faith comes through hearing whether or not the sound waves can, can work on your eardrums. It's the word of God come to you in any form and every form that it comes. Sometimes it'll happen when you read the scripture. Sometimes it'll happen when you watch another person love their neighbor when they have no reason to do so. Sometimes it'll happen when you see people making masks for complete strangers with the hope that they would be helped out. Sometimes it happens when you see a healthcare worker working a 20-hour shift so that people will not die in the midst of the pestilence and the plague. Sometimes it happens when a mama tells her child, it's going to be okay. Faith comes through hearing the word of Christ. And the word of Christ is so simple. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, it says that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to serve. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. The story of Jesus is simple. He loves you. Do you hear him say that? Not only does he love you, he died for you. Do you hear him say that? Not only did he die for you, and I, and I don't mean just y'all. I'm talking to you. Do you hear him say that? And last but not least, maybe most important of all, he rose from the dead so that you and I, though we die, we will live on the last day he will rise our bodies out of the dirt, whether they're bones or whether they've turned to 
to dust or whether you were cremated and spread out to sea, no matter what, the earth will give up her dead and we will rise with Christ just as he rose on Resurrection Sunday 1,987 years ago today. We share this story with you because he loves you. Please pray with me. Father, I ask you to bless your people on this day. Let them hear the story. Let them know that he is risen, and let them praise you. Give them the power to believe. As you have given to us, we ask that you take what we've been given and share it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.